Good morning, friends. We serve a God who is faithful. Some of you have seen in the front of the bulletin, I hope all of you noticed, that the theme this morning is faithfulness. And maybe I can even begin by stating that we are never more in tune with the desire of, of God. We are never striving in any better sense to be like God than when we are faithful. To be faithful has to do with being inspired by God's very being. We serve a God who is great mark of recognition is faithfulness. He is faithful in his care. He is faithful in his love. He is faithful in his providence. He is faithful in his presence. He is faithful in his patience. He is faithful in his forgiveness. He is faithful to his promises. He is faithful in his deed. Do I need to go on? He is faithful. In fact, if you turn to Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, which you may not have time to do, I'm just going to mention it here in passing, but still, maybe a verse worth remembering again that he who began his good work in us is faithful to continue until the end. To strive to be faithful, as I just said, is to strive to be like God in a very important area. And in the New Testament, and its description of the early church, you will see that faithfulness is considered a significant point and way of being. I'm going to read with you today some texts, but instead of just going through some kind of exposition of the word faithfulness or faithful, I would rather that we just walk with Mark. The evangelist Mark notice his life and from that be inspired to live faithful lives. The text that I want to read begins in verse 12. It should come on your screen, and I may just read it from the screen with you. When this is dawned on him, that is on Peter, he's being set free from jail, by the Lord himself. He went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. And Peter knocked at the outer entrance, and a servant named Rhoda came to answer the door. And during his time, some prophet came down from Jerusalem. I'm going to read with you here so you see it with me. And one of them named Agabus stood 
and through the Spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world, and this happened during the reign of Claudius. We're in chapter 11. The disciples, as each of them were able, decided to provide help for the brothers and sisters living in Judea. This they did, sending their gifts to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. All right. And then when Barnabas and Saul had finished their mission, they returned from Jerusalem, taking with them John, also called Mark. And I'm going to end there, the reading here. I wanted to hit some highlights in Mark's life, and we're going to hit him again as we go through um, the text together. More than anything else, Mark, or John Mark, as he was called, was known as a co-worker, as a helper, someone with a faithful heart for being a helper. He's one of these people in the New Testament of which we never hear that he's in leadership. He's always presented as someone who is supporting and helping others who are in leadership. His name is not mentioned ever except in connection with others. He's traveling on a missionary journey with Paul and Barnabas. And he has the same relationship to the apostle Peter as Timothy had to the apostle Paul. In other words, Peter calls Mark his son. Now, let me see if I can paint a picture of him for you. And you follow along and you look and think and reflect on how that applies to your situation in your life. Well, John, as we know him, was from Jerusalem. He was son of a widow, Mary. Mary was one of the prominent women, so to speak. She enjoyed a tremendous um, respect, had a great reputation in the early church, and, and was actually part of the church as a significant leader. She was likely quite well-to-do, and we know that from one thing from the verse that we read earlier on. We know that she had a house large enough where a good group of the church, that massive church in Jerusalem, remember, it started the first day with 3,000 being baptized. A group of them were meeting in Mary's house, and she apparently was well enough off to have servants who could open the door when Peter showed up. That shows that she was a woman of quite a bit of means. All in all, when you think of this as a background, we know that Mark grew up in a strong Christian home, surrounded with strong Christian people, and well acquainted with the greatest leaders in the early church. This was where Peter came. 
In other words, this was one of the more significant house groups in the early church because when he was released from prison, we heard, and I'll get back to that, that's where he went. Well, Mark was a young man, a young man who had experienced God's caring, faithful love from his earlier years, and it resulted in him being keenly aware of how people's lives have been changed by the touch of God. First time we meet him is, as we read, at a prayer meeting in Jerusalem where a large group of the church were gathered in his mama's house to pray for God's intervention so that Peter, who had been jailed because of his faithful testimony about Jesus Christ, would be set free and come back and be part of their congregation and their ministry. And as they were praying, listen to this, friends, as they were praying, God heard their prayer. And he did so in a way that was anything but what they had expected. And they may have prayed just like, like we pray, sorry, right? We pray all these things. We don't really expect that it goes anywhere but to the ceiling, yes? But as they prayed, God let the chains fall off, fall off. Peter opened the prison gates and he walked out. He came back and he knocked on the door where they were gathered to the prayer meeting and Rhoda opens the door and runs back and said, Peter's here. And they go, no, he's not. He's in prison. No one said, oh, God heard our prayers. And so Peter had to come in and show himself And the young Mark was hearing all these things and it shaped his understanding and his commitment to the Lord. Well, church, I don't know what God's intervention necessarily looks like in our lives, but I want to ask you and encourage you to be very ever so attentive to God's hand, however he may work in your life. We have grown up in this kind of rationalistic kind of way of looking at the world where where we are running everywhere to find answers for why things are happening and and rarely do we necessarily conclude that this is God. We'll say, well, it was coincidental or this and that happened. So instead of seeing God's hand and as we kind of rule out God's active involvement, our faith is diminished. Whereas if we see God's hand, even if we could come up with some kind of other explanation, we still see God's hand and it will boost our faith. It will make us recognize that as we bathe our lives uh, in prayer. God hears those prayers and he will act even if he sometimes acts straight through normal means that are not miraculous in the way that we sometimes think of miraculous. Are you hearing me? God works. You have bathed your prayer in your life in prayer. 
And then because of that, you are fully free to expect that you'll be seeing God's hand all over the place in your life. And as you do, regardless if other non-believers would say, well, that was just because, you still see God acted in this way at this time and it showed me his love and his care. The testimony about God's faithful intervention in human life from the prayer meetings in Christian homes were the very things that shaped Mark into becoming the person that he was. May I give a plug for using your home for prayer meetings? Not just for gatherings. We'll sometimes do that, right? We'll have folks over and watch a game or something, right? Or they have folks over and they'll have a whatever snack and we'll hang out, have a good time and talk and maybe a prayer at the end. But how about using our homes for prayer meetings? I remember when I grew up, it was like that, right? And, and I would be put to bed because they were coming in. That was 730. That was kind of the, the no question asked kind of time when people met. And we would have to be in bed before that. And, of course, we couldn't sleep at that earlier time. So we would crack the door from the room and see people from the church and people from the area that we have known. And, and, and they would be there and some would share testimony and, and sometimes we'll see them on their knees praying, crying out to God and it shaped the way I now think about the world and God's hand in it. From the earliest times, this matters. What happened when we lost this? We, many of us at least, have larger homes and people ever had and we use them less for God's glory than people ever did the next time we hear about Mark Paul and Barnabas arrives with a money gift from Antioch for that church which is so devastated we read from it earlier in, in Acts chapter 11 that during that time, some of the prophets came down from Jerusalem, from Antioch, and one of them was Agabus, and he stood up, and he predicted there would be a severe famine, and the famine came. And so the disciples around gathered money, collected funds to help the church that was so devastated down in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas and Saul with the gift. Most likely when they got there, they stayed in the home of Mary. After all, they were kinfolk with Barnabas, right? And so, as they were there, they decided to bring Barnabas along on the next journey. And he became the helper, verse 25 of the 12th chapter of Acts. 
When Barnabas and Saul had finished their mission, they returned from Jerusalem, taking with them Mark. We're not sure what it meant that he was to be their helper. The, the word that is used to describe Mark is one that can point to some kind of superior position of assistantship, or it could be just the most menial, practical, gopher job that you have ever heard of. But regardless, friends, regardless of whether his task was to plan the itineraries, cook the food, clean, find places to stay overnight, as Paul and Barnabas were traveling, or whether he was to be their secretary to handle the many requests that came to Paul and Barnabas for counsel and prayer, maybe even for conversations and counseling before baptisms, or whether he was the one who assisted them in the very preaching of the gospel itself or in the teaching. We don't know that, but Whatever it was, it was clear that he was a trusted co-worker. The young John Mark. And then, in chapter 13, verse 13, something happens. They came to Perge of Pamphylia, and Mark left them and went back to Jerusalem. We don't really know what the reason was for that. Maybe he had gotten too used to life on the velvet pillows, if you will. And he just thought it was hard. Traveling the way that they did, serving the way that they did, Maybe he becomes so used to from his own home that he had a, a servant on every kind of hand, so to speak. And he found it difficult to be a servant himself all of a sudden. We don't know the exact reason. But what we do know is that there's a good chance that they left because the resistance was too hard. It was just too difficult for him. He was a reasonably young Christian. At home, he had been surrounded with people who loved him, who cared for him, who encouraged his faith and all of that. And now he met people who wanted to stone him to death. He thought he needed more thanks than that. Everything that he had done, all the things that he had let go of just to serve, and now all he gets is resistance. And so when the demands were too great, he packed up his good stuff and went home. Enough is enough. I wonder if we see at least shades of that 
in our own lives. Things happen. Tasks that we thought would bless us in every way. We're doing them from God after all, and they turn out to give us headaches and problems way more than we had anticipated. We're throwing ourselves into tasks for God. Maybe tasks that would stretch us in our faith even, and we step out in faith, and we get hurt. Maybe we had expected that the church would consider the very thing that we were doing to be its most important thing, and they don't, and we walk away just a tad hurt. Maybe even offended at times. You hear what I'm saying? We can relate in some way or another to the experience of Mark. But the important thing is not that. Notice how Mark's experience of the necessity of faithfulness finds victory in the end over his desire to just give up and let the church be church and let them do their thing. Two years are passing before we hear about him again. It's in chapter 15, verse 36 here. Paul and Barnabas are back from their trip and have been back for a while and, and they are now come, they're now in, in Antioch and, and, and they are ready to go back out again to visit the churches they have started and then to move on to an even greater area. Barnabas wanted to bring his cousin Mark with him also on the second journey. And Paul says, not so fast. Not so fast. I don't know that I can trust him after what he did the first trip. And so, a rift came between Barnabas and Paul at that moment. And Barnabas took Mark anyway, and they went to Cyprus where they did ministry. And we can hear a little bit, kind of hints of that outside of Scripture. We hear no more about that in Scripture. Paul brought Silas and went on the planned missionary journey. How are we to relate to this? Well, here's what we know. Although that we don't hear anything about the specific ministry in Cyprus, what we do know that this led to a tremendous change, a complete turnaround, even if you will, to Barnabas and his ministry. And if we get a greater lesson on faithfulness and the result of faithfulness in a person's life than we would ever have gotten if someone had just tried to write out a lesson on faithfulness. From being one who kind of ran away when the situation was too tough, next time we hear about Mark, we find a deep, grounded, mature Christian 
one that Paul even recommends to the church that they receive. In, in Colossians chapter 4, verse 10, he says it like this, My fellow prisoner, Aristarchus sends you his greeting, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. You have received instruction about him already. If he comes to you, welcome him. What a change, friends. What a majestic change. From being one who ran away, he was now one who can bring comfort and encouragement to others. We don't know what caused that change specifically in Mark's life. But we do know that he changed. Maybe he was changed by the caring and encouraging words from Barnabas while they were at Cyprus. And it taught Mark tremendous lessons about faithfulness. You know, encouraging words are like gold to a poor person, but someone who feels that they're not adequate for the tasks they are facing. Maybe Mark had new meetings, meetings with the Lord himself, encountering encounters with God and his recognition that, that God was faithful to him. And if he was to look anything like the one he called Lord Jesus Christ, he himself had to change. Something had to give in his life or he would not live in the image of Christ. We don't know what it was, but we do know that him who ran away at first now is the one who is there to comfort others. He moved from being just a jolly-go-happy, surface-level type Christian to being a joyful, deep-rooted, mature, God-honoring kind of Christian. One who could be one that even Paul would say he is good. Welcome him dearly. So allow me, friends, to ask you where you are on that spectrum between the young Mark and the mature Mark. Where are you on that? Are you closer to the one we meet in the beginning or closer to the one that we see at the end? The one who has extra Strength to give, even to others. And even when things seem anything but great. I want you to hear this, friends. The point is not really where you are in the spectrum. The point is in which direction are you moving? None of us can say that we don't know anything about the kind of thing that happened in the young Mark's life where he just would rather give up than hold on. What matters is that we learn from Mark. We learn from Mark that our moredness to Christ himself does not allow that we get stuck in the in the. Flying, uh, the fleeing away from Christ, but rather that we turn around 
and again and again come back to where we are walking toward him. We need to move, friends, every one of you do, and every one includes myself, to the point where we clearly see that the direction and the path we're on is not the one that is fleeing from the hardship, but one that is walking toward it so that we can present also our faithfulness to Christ. When the difficulties are pressing on, when we share our testimony pressing on, when we live lives that are clearly honoring of Christ, are pressing on, when we speak out for Jesus, whenever that pressures are on, we among those who are going closer and closer toward full faithfulness to Jesus. And the strongest emphasis we can possibly find for this right here is found in 2 Timothy 4.11. You notice what happens with Mark right here and what Paul is writing, these very last lines that we have penned from Paul's letters. Probably written just a few weeks before he was decapitated. And in these lines, he's asking Timothy to come And look now in verse 11. Everybody else has deserted me except Luke, who is with me. Now, Timothy, hear this. Get Mark and bring him with you because he is helpful to me in my ministry. You go, what? Is he not the one he didn't want to bring on the other journey? Now, right before he's dying, he said, bring Mark. He is helpful. I have no one. I need you, my son, and Mark. Oh, my. What a transformation in a person's life. Can you even imagine? And how useful, how powerful did this helping hand become? We know from Scripture and especially also from things outside that Mark became the interpreter of Peter. And what we have in the Gospel of Mark is pretty much Mark's written down version of Peter's preaching and teaching. Here's a person who clearly experience his call as one to be a help to others. We never hear about him, as I said, outside of him being mentioned in connection with something else. It was someone else. Never once do we hear about him leading anything. It's always Peter or Paul or Barnabas or someone. But Mark was there as the faithful co-worker. Whether he had to deal with Peter, who certainly had his opinions about everything and all things, didn't he? Or with Paul, who was not less timid in his kind of persuasions. Or with Barnabas, who was altogether different. The only thing we hear about the mature Mark was that he was a faithful 
helper. We don't hear any, I will help, but here are the conditions. No conditions, no premises. Just I'm here. You know, we speak a lot about spiritual gifts these days. You look anything in Christian literature and see what many churches are doing, there's a lot of talk about how to utilize spiritual gifts and why God gives them to us. Surprisingly little is said about the gift of helps. But look at Mark. And you have a picture of someone who really made a massive, had a massive importance and influence in the early church. Someone whose gift was the gift of helps. May that be your gift. You know, we, get, we hear so much, and if you ever flip through channels of Christian TV and stuff, there's so much about winning and being the winner, and we need to win, and this is all of that. And I'm not speaking against that as much as I want to say for Mark. What mattered was that he was faithful. Faithful to God's calling. If you would desire for, the, for your life to have the kind of power to go through the same kind of transformation as Mark, this is a great place to begin, friends. Instead of always looking to be the most successful and the most winning or whatever you put into the meaning of that word, you look to how can I be found faithful, one that is striving to want one of the most Important characteristics as we try to explain who God is. And again, the most important thing, of course, is not where are you at the moment, but which direction are you moving. If we're asking questions about people whose lives matter, people that we can possibly mirror ourselves in, People who were involved in changing the world. Mark may be one of the greatest inspirations we can find. His name is not front and center everywhere. He is not one that let this, let that. But he was faithful. And it mattered to God's kingdom in the strongest ways can that not appeal in the strongest way to us not lofty theoretical sentences about faithfulness but a simple life that lived and moved from being fearful runaway to one who is faithful Stand firm, helper. Father, would you speak those words to us with stronger force than I ever possibly could? Straight to our hearts. Apply that. Fit it 
that very message into our very individually specific situations. We need to see your hand, Father. We need to know that we are in that process, not one of us, not two of us, but all of us, of transformational change from being a superficial runaway to being a deep-rooted, faithful servant of Jesus. When we attempted to look all kinds of other ways for what it means to be successful. Teach us to look the one place where we know what it means to be significant. Your word, Father, and as you inspired Mark, may you inspire everyone here. We ask this in your name. Amen. We're going to stand and sing a song, and it's a song of, of invitation. It's a song that speaks to God's faithfulness. Maybe that's a song where you're going to say, I need to step out. I need to grab the hand of a friend or a spouse and, and just come down or even alone and, and pray and call to God and say, God, change me toward what we saw in Mark. Some of you may want to say, I can't do it outside of a church. They encourage me. This is the place, friend. Just come join and be part of this, and we'll pluck you in in places where your faithfulness can be put to good use. If you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, your Savior, this all went above your head. May we lead you to a living, life-changing relationship with God. If you think, I've seen... I've seen Christians that it hadn't changed them flip from what they were before. That doesn't have to be you, friend. It does not have to be you. He can change your life. Mm-hmm.